0: This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan.
1: Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. And for those of you tuning in for the first time this week, welcome aboard. Every Friday at this time, we take a journey into the world of daytime to talk about anything and everything soaps. When today's show is over, if you'd like to check out some of our past shows and special guests, you can head on over to SoapCentral.com slash radio, and you'll have the ability to listen to every show that we've ever done. Now, for those of you who've listened to the show before, of course, welcome back. You'll notice that there's a little something different on tap this week. Lately, with all the talk of faltering ratings and cancellations, I thought it'd be an interesting idea to bring together some soap journalists from online and print to talk about the current state of daytime and maybe what we can all do as soap fans to help support our favorite soaps to make sure that they don't go off the air. I'm calling it a soap summit and no, there's no mountain climbing involved. My first guest is an author, a licensed therapist and a soap fan. So that means that nothing he sees in his office is anywhere near as wild as what he sees on television. His passion for all things soap, And his work on the We Love Soaps website is what prompted me to reach out to ask Damon L. Jacobs to take part in today's Soap Summit. So, Damon, let me thank you for being a part of this panel discussion.
2: It's an honor, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you for including me in this.
1: Well, you know, in doing this, I think what's important to let everyone know is we're not here to say, oh, soaps are horrible, this sucks, this is horrible, you know, change the storyline. It's really about celebrating this commonality that we have. Uh, you know, no matter what website you work on or what soap you're writing for, we love soaps. No pun intended. So I wanted to bring you on and get some of your thoughts on you know, the state of soap operas today. All right. So let's, let's start off with that. How would you assess the state of soap operas today?
2: Well, we're narrowing this to, to daytime soap operas on network television. Um, in my perspective, it's fairly bleak. Um, I'm seeing, you know, we're seeing in the ratings, we're seeing shows hit new lows at least once a month or once every few months. We're seeing the ratings go down. And on screen, I think we're also seeing um, somewhat of a lack of innovation and creativity. Um, I love the shows, and I know what the shows are capable of in telling inspirational and powerful stories about characters that are creative, that are new. And I'm not seeing that as much now, especially this summer.
1: Do you think... Mentioning that their ratings are at a low and uh, maybe a lack of creativity. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion to say that soaps are doomed?
2: Absolutely not. I, I do not believe that, and, and here's why. First of all, I think there's a few things soaps can still do to save themselves and maintain a vital and active force. One of them is that they need to be willing to do different stories than what they have done before and tell different kinds of stories with, entailing diversity than they have before. Um, when I look at all the shows now, there's so many of the f- same looking people and you kind of have your, your young girls in peril getting kidnapped, you have your bad boy with a heart of gold and a shaved chest saving her, and it's pretty much all the shows are adapting a formula that's been used time and time and time again. And I think in this market, if you're going to get people, either new viewers or older viewers, I mean previous viewers to come back or new people to tune in, you've got to give them something they're not getting elsewhere. Soaps are gifted in that because they can tell compelling stories five days a week. But in order to do that, I think we need to see some different kinds of faces. I think we need to see some different kinds of storytelling, intergenerational storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really see that being mm, taking place now. Um, The other thing that I I think needs to happen, Dan, is that I think the the behind the scenes and on a structural level, they really need to examine this whole system hierarchy around demographics and ratings. And um, Because I'm still confused as to why a female viewer between the age of 18 and 34 would be more valuable than a female or male viewer in their 50s. I mean, most people I know in their 50s have more disposable income than
1: people in their 20s. No, and I think, yeah, that's, a, that's a really a good point in terms of what is it about this coveted demographic. Certainly, if you're shooting after a demographic that's already smaller to begin with, then uh, traditional soap viewers tend to skew a little bit older. So if you're saying, let's forget about the people who are over 34 and just focus on this, this small group and just women, just young women, you're sort of alienating the people who really are there and have been there watching your your soaps for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years.
2: That's right. And and by alienating that group, you've seen people tune out. By ignoring the entire, you know, male demographic um, who may have disposable income, um, who may be single, either because they're gay or straight, or they may have more disposable income, Mm -hmm. by completely alienating and ignoring that group um, from the advertiser's perspective, they're losing out. And, you know, soaps have to make money. This is a business. But why the advertisers are not willing to pay money to deliver that demographic confuses me greatly.
1: Well, speaking of money, one of the things that I think many people look at to say is bringing down the soaps is the availability of cheaper programming, talk shows, court shows, certainly reality television, where there really isn't much of an expense to begin with. Are soaps costs, the fact that they have to pay people to be on these shows five days a week, every day of the year, is that a limiting factor that could eventually undermine uh, a genre that's been around since the dawn of television?
2: I, I think that could be, I mean, I think that is what's happening in the shows that we've seen go off the air in recent years, that they've kind of financially imploded on themselves in a way that their, their business model could not sustain the product. And sadly enough, that, that's, you know what it comes down to is dollars and cents um, you know the good news on on all of this front is that earlier this week on um, tvnewscheck.com mm-hmm. there was an article that was posted about how advertisers still want to support and, and advertise on daytime television they still prefer the dramas to the talk shows they still find those to be lucrative and i think that's a great thing but that doesn't make any difference if your all that money coming in goes right out the window Um, You know, I think uh, in terms of the future of the genre, what we're seeing on the Internet are some really compelling stories being told for damn cheap. I mean, you look at a show called Anyone But Me, um, Diary of a Single Mother, Empire, the series. These are all really, really compelling stories that are being made on a shoestring budget and yet still maintain production values interesting casting and are telling stories in ways that haven't been told before. I think if the current um, network executives looked at that model and really tried to look and see what is working there and how they could possibly apply that to their own shows, I think they might be able to stay in business. I mean, Days of Our Lives did it.
3: Right. We lost
2: Deidre and Jake uh, Drake, which was tragic and very sad, but they were able to adapt a business model that made them into a leaner, uh, mean machine financially and allow them to stay afloat now for another
1: couple years and you know indefinitely. And certainly, so there, in terms, are,
2: there are ways to do this?
1: It, uh, definitely and certainly in terms of star power, you're certainly not lacking in some of these online series. A show like Venice, where you have you know Crystal Chappelle and Hillary B. Smith, and uh, you mean the names go on, and even uh, Gotham and Empire. And oh, yeah.
2: I mean, let's talk about The Bay. The Bay is starting in September. Right. There you have Mary Beth Evans, Drake Hogeston, um, and 12 other people who I can't think of right now. Because <laughs> got a whole slew of wonderful daytime performers that are doing this show. Now, true, they're not getting paid the, the dollars and extravagant money. I mean, it's not even that extravagant because daytime soap opera characters, they never really get paid what they deserve, in my opinion. But they're not getting paid a whole lot, but they are working because they care about the product and they're doing good work if there was over there's got to be a way to adapt that to network television as well
1: you would think so uh, let's talk about some of the other ideas that have been bandied around just quickly in some of your thoughts in terms of maybe showing soaps fewer days per week or taking off a month or two here or there during the summer to sort of let the writers regroup do you think that there's anything that sort of can rejuvenate that's easy to do that that won't alienate soap fans but will allow soaps to sort of rejuvenate themselves and, and catch that steam again?
2: You know, it's, so, it's such an interesting question because it's never been tried before. And the part, there's a part of me that says, hey, what have we got to lose at this point? Try it. What I think would actually be more practical and, and more helpful is, sad to say, but I'm saying to bring some of these 60-minute shows down to 30 minutes. Hmm. Um, they started off a lot of them as 15-minute shows, expanded to 30 minutes, and most of them now are are overdoing it at 60 minutes. And I don't mean overdoing it. I mean financially. I don't mean creatively, necessarily. Right. But when you've got a 30-minute show, you have less costs, you have less production, and quite often you can tell a more succinct, powerful story with fewer characters. The actors you have still get to get paid a good amount of money, And, you know, you see how Bold the Beautiful adapts with that model and how Ryan's Hope and and so many of the classic shows utilize
1: the 30-minute format to sustain themselves. We are coming up on having just about maybe three minutes left, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I really want to be able to get in here. So let me ask one, something that I think you can give an angle on that maybe some of my other panelists won't be able to later in the hour. Do you think that there is any sort of psychological need that soaps used to be able to fill in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that they're no longer able to fill in, say, 2010?
2: Yes, I do, and, and I think it's a different connection, but I think the ability to reflect people's lives and give people a sense of hope and connection to make you feel like you're not the only one who's gone through this, um, there are talk shows, there, are, there is cable television, there are many other media outlets and ways now for people to get those connections. Even just online and Facebook, right. people don't feel so isolated anymore. And that's a good thing. But what soaps can still do that no other artistic genre can do is give people the consistency that you grow up with these characters, you go to college, you give birth to your children while being part of these people's lives. And when they hurt, you hurt. When they feel good, you feel good. Soaps can still offer that in a way that no other artistic medium does.
1: Now, I know this must have been sort of unusual. I'm asking you for ideas of what soaps should do to sort of succeed, and you're known as someone who is shouldless. Uh, can you explain a little bit about that? For, for listeners out there, Damon is also, as I mentioned, an author, and he has a book out called Absolutely Shouldless.
2: Well, thank you, Dan. And, and the reason I don't believe in shoulds is because more often than not, if I have a should, reality conflicts with that. So if I say that, should, that, that soaps should be telling stories about the human condition, about people of all ages, um, you know, about different kinds of stories, then I'm going to be upset because my set does not reflect that reality. Um, so I don't use shoulds because I would like to sleep better at night and have lower blood pressure and feel good. Um, Now, what can soaps do and what do I think would be recommended for soaps to do? Um, is to get back to telling stories that, that illuminate the human condition. This is where their strengths lied in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and the 80s, and part of the right. 90s. They really were able to say, this. these are the layers of how this person's motivation works. These are the ways that they mess up on their path of getting what they want, but you still stick with them anyway and you're still rooting for them. I feel like the shows now primarily use plot, 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 explosion, bombs, guns, whatever, and it's really not about talking about human condition anymore. It's about explosions. Big events.
1: Well I feel so like we could talk. For, sorry, oh my but, gosh, I feel like we could talk for the next hour, but of course I know that you have another commitment and you won't be able to stick around for the rest of our show. But I want to thank you so much for being part of the panel and being able to give some of your thoughts on how we can save our soaps.
2: Thank you, Dan. We will talk again anytime. We'll definitely try
1: to have Damon back again in the future, but when we come back on the other side of the commercial break, I'll be joined by the rest of my special panelists for our Soap Summit, and we'll be taking your calls. So stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live after the break.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, soapcentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want a dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey,
1: everybody, and welcome back to Soap Central Live, where we're having our Soap Summit you know, it was a story written on Daytime Confidential by my next guest that was actually the impetus for this special Soap Summit show. Earlier this month, Jamie Giddens reported that ABC was mulling the idea of showing fewer original episodes of their three soaps as a way to sort of save some money on the bottom line. So let's jump right on in here. Jamie, thank you so much for being part of our little Soap Summit panel this week.
5: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now... Something that I found that was interesting, and I want to really get your, your opinion on, okay. showing fewer episodes of a soap each year, is that necessarily a bad thing, do you
5: think? No, actually, I really don't. Um, from my standpoint, um, where it gets trickier, or iffy, I'm an old-school union <laughs> boy. I was raised by a union parent, so I just believe a deal is a deal when it comes to a bargaining unit. Gotcha. And for for me, if they were planning to do this at the end of the current Writers Guild of America MBA, and not to you know kind of try to strong arm the Writers Guild into forcing them to allow this waiver, I I really wouldn't have a problem with it because I'm I'm very much a realist when it comes to the current economic state of the soap. So yes, I. I have no problem with the re-airs, it's just the way that they went about it with, you know, from what I was told with the, either you guys allow this or else, well, you're gonna, your peers will have to lose their jobs, Um which, that, you know, that's union busting, cause it pits the, you know, it pits the writers against one another, instead of ABC just making the decision, we can't afford to have this many writers, and, I mean, it's not a, it's, it's a sad situation either way, but, we all see the numbers, we see the ratings, we, of course they have to scale down. I just, I'm opposed to, you know, the, but like I, you know, in my report, I reported ABC's side, they're, you know, they're trying to keep their shows on the air, so it's, it's a tough, it's a tough call.
1: Well, in the last segment, Damon had suggested that maybe all of the soaps should go to a 30-minute format, but one of the other suggestions that I've been hearing from people as sort of an idea to re-energize soaps is to maybe consider taking the summer off and giving the writers some time, a couple of months, three months, four months, or whatever, to regroup, come up with some decent storylines rather than having to sit down every day and coming up with an episode for five days of the week. Do you think that that's something that could be done, or do you think that that's really just out of the realm of possibility?
5: I, I doubt it. I think that um, basically as... As precarious as the state is for the soaps, the daytime soap operas, I don't think, if they were off the air three months, I don't think that the slots would be there for them. I don't think, you know, maybe had this happened ten years ago, there would be some wiggle room, but I really believe and have heard, you know, that the networks, they're not, I I don't want to say they're itching to cancel them all, but They're, save for ABC, I mean, I I really believe ABC is, you know, attempting to be committed to at least two of their folks, but I I don't think any of them are in a situation where there's room for that kind of experimentation. I think the the thought process at the top would be just cancel them because, you know, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but, you know, I mean, I don't think that they would, you know, bring back the soaps after, you know, ceding that airtime to something else for three months. And also, if you look back to, like, Erna Phillips, and at one point Erna Phillips, and, of course, they were, you know, they were 15 and 30 minutes, but at one point Erna Phillips and Bill Bell were writing the two of them together, all of her soaps at one point. Right. And so, and they turned out engaging Uh, soap operas year after year after year. I, I do definitely believe that writers get burned out, but I think a part of that is that really when it comes to soap opera writing, I feel that it's something that should probably be cyclical in terms of career phases. When you have people that have been doing it consistently, year in, year out on the same soaps. You cancel one soap, you go to another. I think that's part of where the problem lies in that you have someone who's written for three or four soaps and they're just regurgitating the same story. And it's right. not their story. Because if you look back to, like, Anna and Bill, their stories were consecutively good because they, it was their vision. We've, you know, heard that they fought the networks out of their writer's room, and, and you don't really have that now. You've got burned-out writers trying to please network execs, and the panic and fear that is, that is the current state we live in, where three soaps have been canceled in three years.
1: Hmm. Well, let's look at some of the things that soaps are trying to do to generate some interest. Certainly one of the big things is bringing in big-name stars, whether it be James hmm. Franco or Eric Roberts or... You know, any number of stars on a lot of these shows, do you think that that's a short-term fix? Is that a, a a lot of people calling it stunt casting, or is there really some merit to doing all of this?
5: Well, I think stu- well, stunt casting has been around forever. I mean, since, um, you know, Liz probably on before Taylor? that, but like the mommy dearest lady <laughs> coming on her daughter's <laughs> show, but... I think it depends. I think when you have a Rosie O'Donnell or a Carol Burnett who is a huge fan of all my children, so you create characters for them. I think that it works. You know, Liz Taylor. You know, oh my right. gosh, you know the greatest example, um, James Franco. I believe that it was a smart move on GH's part. I mean, how could they not? I mean, how could they refuse him? I haven't enjoyed either one of his arcs, but I totally get the motivation. I mean, this is an A-list movie star who wants to include your show in his latest whatever he does. (laughs) I'm just waiting to see if he's going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. That's all I ever knew him from, but now he's like this Andy Warhol of the 2010s. But, um, yeah, I I totally understand G.H. doing that. It got them a ton of buzz. I didn't see it getting them much in terms of ratings, and this is all about dollars and cents at the end of the day. I mean right. I think Kish got one life to live the same amount of buzz that James Franco got G H, but it's it's you know, it's ratings and he didn't do anything for their ratings. Um Y and R I don't think they're stunt casting you know, if Y and R if if say a um Kellen Lutz um wanted to do a guest in on Y and R I would encourage them for doing what they're doing. But YNR is basically ever since the current regime took over, they seem to have a disdain for tried and true daytime actors, um in the, at least in the forties and fifty year old roles. They uh um, I I don't understand. I think that this is just really a de- desperate I think it's the difference between a and a great opportunity like James Franco and then just desperately grasping at anything to get a headline like, and that's how it feels with ynr
1: like with uh, i guess susan olson but you have to think that there are going to be a lot of people who are thinking oh my gosh cindy brady i haven't seen her on tv since she was 10 let me tune in and see what she's going on so
5: isn't i that think a chance that's to hook what they keywords? think happens but looking at the ratings it doesn't <laughs> no one's going to tune in to ynr who wasn't already a fan of YNR because Cindy Brady's coming back. Now, they would tune in maybe if Leanna Love came back to work for, you know, to work out of restless style because she's covering the Newman, the Adam Newman case. I think that's where they missed the boat, you know, and well, YNR did do a lot of that early on. They brought back Nina. They brought back, you know, Philip. So they do that occasionally, but – you know, and I said, I told someone I wasn't going to say it, <laughs> beat people over the head with this, but it's just plot-driven, and plot-driven storytelling never works in daytime. You have to have a long story that is character-driven, psychologically resonant, and I'm not saying that that's going to boost your ratings enormously, but I really think that's what the core fans, the people that read your blog and my blog, that are really just... This, you know They pay all this money for focus groups of 30 or 40 people when they've got amazing focus groups in our comments line on your message boards. that these are the people who have stuck this industry out for better or for worse, and they tell us all over and over again they don't like plot-driven stories yet. That's all we see on a lot of the soaps now. Well, we're
1: going to talk about some story ideas that may be able to resonate with new viewers and old viewers and add a few more people to our panel when we come up with more of soap central live after this commercial break
4: news News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com.
0: Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com. Every day, soapcentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, soapcentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want a dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Soap Central Live and our Soap Summit. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. I'm still on the line here with Jamie Giddens of Daytime Confidential, but my next guest, who's going to join our panel, is able to offer a unique insight into the workings of daytime dramas because she served on the writing team of Two Soaps. In fact, Sarah Babel has a daytime Emmy of her own for her work on The Young and the Restless. So let's bring Sarah into the conversation. Sarah, thank you for being part of our summit today.
7: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Now, we were talking on the other side of the commercial with Jamie about some of the ideas and storylines that may be able to draw some people in who've either lapsed as viewers or maybe who've never watched a soap before. And we're going to welcome Jamie back in in just a minute, but I have a question for you in terms of writing and having to come up with 250 episodes every year. Do you think that the soaps sort of suffer as a result of that? If they maybe if they had to put out fewer episodes, that it'd be a tighter package.
7: You know, I don't know about that because the fact of the matter is most of the people who are daytime writers are used to the pace. Like, if you've brought in, it's probably why primetime writers haven't done as well in it because they're used to taking longer. But if you, given that everyone who's working in daytime now, most of the people running the shows were writing for the shows in the 80s when they were fantastic, when they worked at a breakneck pace, when they didn't even get the holidays you know episodes off like they do now so i mean i don't know that that would make a difference one way or the other
1: do you think that with the budget cuts and now maybe threats of having to to scrap one or two writers from each soap do you think it's now a situation that forget about the money aspect we just need more people to help in order to get these stories out there
7: I think there's, that's definitely a part of it. They had bigger staffs back then, things that fans complain about. There used to be, you know, people whose job it was to keep track of continuity. That's the sort of position that's been eliminated due to budget cuts. You know, a lot of the positions that due to non-glamorous work that you don't see like someone in the office who isn't a full-fledged member of the writing staff but maybe does research that, you know, into the show's history and, and decimates that to the writers so they can enhance storylines. But those are the sort of positions that have been lost and I think and along with the loss of some long-term writers that have just been let go due to budget cuts, you've sort of lost the institutional memory of some of these shows.
1: Now, we're not claiming to have all of the answers here today, but one of the questions that seems to come up and statements from fans is that if only they were telling a story that represented me. So I want to start with you, Sarah, and then we'll ask Jamie. But what do you think is an example of a story that soaps maybe aren't telling, that if they did, they'd be able to lure in uh, some additional eyeballs?
7: I honestly think it's the lack of good love stories that is hurting the genre. And, I mean, love stories are something that's universal. You know, probably most of us will never be the CEO of a (laughs) Fortune 100 company, but I would think most people hopefully have relationships and at one point in their lives or another fall in love, fall out of love, have those sorts of difficulties in their lives. And if you look at it, all the great stories that people remember, they were stories about people falling in love, you know, Hope and Bo, Victor and Nikki, all of this, you know, Greg and Jenny. And that kind of slow-burn love story just doesn't seem to happen anymore.
1: How about you, Jamie? What do you think is an example of a storyline that really needs to be told to appeal to a larger audience?
5: Well, I, I totally agree with what Sarah's saying. One of my favorite uh soap writers of all time is Tom Racina who, you know, in my opinion, really helped create what we call the super couple. I mean, he he did it on GH with Luke and Laura and went to Days and basically took that template and just exploded it and um I don't when I you know, sometimes I wonder am I just being nostalgic? or were they really that much better? And I can just honestly say, even the couples that I like right now, like I like Billy and Victoria, or, you know, my DC fans know in recent years I was a big liaison fan, but none of those stories have the epic scope of Bo and Hope or Patch and Kayla for me. And I just, you're right, I don't see that. We see now couples that are nice or popular like Dante and Lulu and then they're just shoved down your throat and there's really no, there's no arc. you know what I'm saying? There's no, right. the hero's journey that writers know about that is just essential to every writing since the Greek mythology. We don't see that, we don't see, we used to see that with Poe and Hope, you know, boy meets girl, the complications, the falling in love, the adventure, the growth, we just see people get together, they have sex, fans like them, or they don't, or the network likes them, so they keep forcing them, like Ryan and Greenlee, (laughs) even though no one likes them. And these are now our super couples. I don't even want to say super because they don't deserve the S. It's just like super couples that we just get stuck with, and there's no, yeah, there's no people that rush. You know, I remember people going, Girl, I used to rush home to watch General Hospital because of Luke and Laura, and right. I never even watched that show until the '90s. But I knew—I mean, who didn't know about these epic stories, you know, Holden and Lily? And but now we don't—we don't see much of that. I—I um, I look back at what GH and Days did with espionage in the Cold War. You know, GH had the WSB. Days had the ISA. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at, when I go to the movies now, that's all coming back. You know, I just saw Salt. Why don't they try that with Sam McCall? You know, they could do a story where the WSB recruits Sam McCall because of her con woman past. Right. And, and she, you know, becomes daytime's answer to Angelina Jolie. That's what Gloria Monty did when she saved g I read over and over again that she took prime time in film Tenants I mean, a lot of her heroes were Indiana Jones esque, and you know, or Alan, Qu- you know, Alan Quatermain mysteries, I think it was in the '70s. But you know, it, or Alex, it was Alex Quatermain. But you know, they just she borrowed a lot from the movies. In prime primetime is what I'm trying to say. You know, the Remington Steele type character. Right.
1: Well, let me talk about some of who my heroes are, and the heroes, at least in my opinion, are the okay. people who are still watching the soap. And we actually have a caller who wants to give some of her ideas of what she thinks the soaps need to do. It's Kathy from New Jersey. So we're going to bring Kathy in for a couple of seconds here. Kathy, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you. Well, thank you, first of all, for being a part. Um, uh, Let's ask you, what is something or what is a story that you think the soaps need to tell that isn't being told that would appeal to a larger audience?
8: Well, overall, the whole soap genre, particularly I, as I see on The Bold and the Beautiful, I've watched it for 23 years now, there is absolutely no storytelling whatsoever in terms of people of color or mm-hmm. people, uh, the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered community. Uh, right now, you have a couple, two uh, African Americans on the show who are in recurring status. You have Marcus, who was adopted by Eric Forrester. Mm-hmm. You don't know his background um, and why an African-American, his father, would actually allow another man to adopt his son. Then you have, when they do bring on the gay character, he's a stereotype of what a gay male is. Hmm. So that is, you've got a soap that has a high demographic of African-American women and men that watch the show, yet we are very well underrepresented and what really upset me this week is that an actor of the caliber of Reginald Vell Johnson made a cameo appearance on Thursday and he was not recognized as such in any of the credits of Bold and the Beautiful or even mentioned as being a um, cameo appearance on the show and when I brought that up to the producers of Bold and the Beautiful they claimed that they could not get an answer from his publicist at the time, the hmm. an interview.
1: Well, I want to thank you, Kathy, for taking part in the show. We are coming up shortly on our break, so we're going to have to let you go. Um, but certainly, uh, keep listening to the show, and hopefully we'll be able to take a few more callers. So thank you.
8: Okay. Thank you.
1: Let me go back to, before we have about uh, maybe two minutes or so before we go to the break, and ask, we'll go back to Sarah quickly. Do you think that that's something that is important, that there is no diversity or that a lot of viewers feel that there's not really anybody who they can identify with on the soaps
7: Um, i definitely think that's a problem and i would add that it's a problem across television as a whole because i mean if, if you know if the cosby show is still on network television i've sort of missed that um so i think diversity is important i don't think it drives the ratings as much necessarily as people do. If you want to be really cold and hard about it, for I think having popular characters who are diverse drives the ratings. But if you put in a bunch of boring characters who are every ethnicity and sexual orientation on earth, nobody would care. Whereas if you get a character that pops who is of a certain group, then... Obviously, people will tune in to see that person, and people, people definitely, I think, look for things that look like themselves, but for example, when One Life to Live did its great gay storyline, the rating just did not rise, so it's not that simple.
1: I don't know that... I want to give Jamie a chance to comment on this, but I'm not sure that we have enough time before we go to the break, so what I'm going to do is go to commercial early so we can come back and have more time in the next segment, so stay tuned For more from Jamie, Sarah, myself, and more panelists when we come back after the break on Subcentral Live.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. It VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, soapcentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow.
4: Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want a dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Soap Central Live. We are in the last segment. It seems like time is just flying by. And before the break, I promised I would give... Jamie a chance to talk about some storylines that maybe are sort of needing to be told on the soaps, but we have another addition to our panel, and I want to make sure that he comes aboard as well. He's a regular guest here, so he doesn't need too much of an introduction, but he's on air on soaps, and he's Michael Fairman, and he's... uh, joining us. So thanks, Michael, for being a part of the panel. You're welcome. How are you? I'm great. Uh, let me give you a chance to catch up on some
6: of the stuff that we've talked uh, talking. That's not even a word, but we we'll I actually one. heard just a little bit. <laughs> Good. And I agree 100% with Jamie and Sarah about great love stories, sweeping love stories that aren't quite being told, like back in the day, or that drives viewers to soaps in, in regard to that aspect of soaps. So I think that is one thing that is a problem. I guess certainly when we have shows like The
1: Bachelor and The Bachelorette, where people can fall in love in in the course of 13 episodes,
6: uh, it shows that there's still an interest among viewers to see people fall in love. But it has to be, but we're fighting entrenched mentalities, I feel, in the presentation. You know, In many ways, the perception of soap operas is still, it's your 50s presentation of them. Um, You know, I think we're fighting, I think people, the public needs to kind of come up to date in 2010 with what's going on in the world, which would then again, maybe not make soap operas be so afraid to try, you know, progressive storylines or something that's shocking that maybe you'd see on an HBO show, not that they'd ever go that far, but I'm just saying something that would shake up the genre hmm. where it's must-see TV. It isn't must-see TV anymore. It's very hard to make it must-see everyday viewing on a soap opera. Um, And it's needed to really pump some, you know, vigor into this thing. And I think there's this mentalities at the marketing level, at the executive level, at the writing level, that it's just the same, same old, same old, and they have to change with the times. And there's just the resistance to it, because when they try to do things such as, I'm just using the Kish example, you know, whether it was a, a media darling in the mainstream and every, you know, people loved it culturally, there is. Some saying that, you know, Middle America didn't buy into it, so therefore it's gone. When I spoke to Maria Bell for an interview recently for Pride magazine that came out this summer, you know, we were talking about, and just bringing up the gay thing, just as one type of character. She basically said, you know, we got letters from people saying we don't want to see that not on our show. Hmm. So when you think about that, the public, you know, and with the, the, the way that the soaps are teetering now on, you know, Extinction with what's being said. Everyone's gun shy now after, after trying certain things, and then the, when the public, the, the normal viewing audience, rejects it, then that becomes another problem. And it's a real conundrum, is what I'm basically getting at. Um, but I think ABC Daytime is doing a great job of, like, the what ifs is a fantastic marketing idea. I think right. the way they, you know, they they wrangle their three shows because they own them as one group. Is a no. testament to how they operate in a marketing atmosphere where CBS is basically non-existent because they don't even own those shows outright. Why an R and B and B it, and it, it's little to no promo and nothing that's really making you to, to bring in other people. You have to bring in the you have to keep the viewers you have and you have to try to bring in other viewers and it's not been working the way they've been doing it recently. Oh, definitely. Now let me go back and keep my promise to Jamie. Now Jamie, I know that you've
1: you're quite vocal that. For a lot of people who are watching the soaps, they don't see anyone that looks like themselves on screen. And when they do, they're usually criminals or uh, negative, some sort of negative roles. So what is it that the soaps need to do to sort of bring back diversity but make it ring true?
5: Well, um, I think currently it's not really, you know, I'd say maybe in the 80s it was that way with the, you know, the thuggish black characters or whatnot. But now we don't even get that. I mean... I wouldn't mind actually just something. I mean, now it's just other than Jesse and Angie um, and Y&R, whenever they remember it and decide to tell a story for two to three weeks, it's just non-existent. I mean, you know, and it's—I hate the term or the connotation "black storyline" because we really took such great leaps and bounds in the '90s, thanks to Bill Bell, with. You know, that quartet with Drew, Malcolm, Liv, Nate, uh, and whoever else interchanged and, and Mamie as a family unit. And then all my children, Y&R gets a lot of the credit, but even post Jesse and Angie, you know, all my children, I didn't start watching that into the 90s and there was always major black characters, Olivia, her sons, you know, um, Noah and Julia, well, she wasn't black, but, you know, it was an interracial storyline, and G.H. with the the wards. But now, you know, we see One Life to Live just killed off one of their black heroines that everyone was hoping was going to come back one day. other one is recurring, and They just shipped off, um, or, you know, they shipped off Nora's, you know, biracial, half-Jewish, half-black daughter. It, yes, we have Destiny, and she's cute, but we don't really see... You know where are the jillies and the hams? Like with guiding light, um, right. well, we know guiding light's gone, but still, you know, we just we don't see any of that. Gh brought on my award, and they've done nothing with her um, whatsoever. Dave still has Abe and Lexi, but Theo gets more storyline than they do. I mean, it just really seems like it's an afterthought. And with Y and R, they're the ones that get the most heat for it because. Bill Bell actually gave a strong story for Drusilla, Malcolm, um, Neil, and that group for so long. I mean, it made superstars out of Shamar Moore and, and Victoria Rowell, at least. And I think that's, you know, I think one, what was it, ad age that, no, it wasn't ad age, it was um Conde Nast's portfolio that said that, you know, a, a huge percentage of this viewing audience is, african-american and i agree with sarah it doesn't i don't think that that solely means that black people or or even people of color are tuning in just to see themselves because most black people who watched y and r religiously in the 80s their favorite characters were more than likely k chancellor and victor newton and that's who my grandparents were all about but it it was nice to see characters that represent yourself and one thing you know that this just stands out to me like with the gay characters because of the whole mainstream America not liking them debate. If you look at YouTube, fans of characters like Luke and Noah from As the World Turns or um, Kish, they they splice together all of their storyline and put them on YouTube. Uh the German soap couple Crawley from uh Forbidden Love is has being optioned for a movie. Why not say if one life to live realized with their focus group, whatever, that Kish wasn't clicking mainstream. And i, I take issue with that because what if Let mainstream me jump America in, said that
1: they're I don't want us to run over and out of time. We only right. have about two minutes, so I want to go back to Sarah very quickly. Okay. What is an example of something that soaps are doing now that is successful and needs to be done uh, maybe more of? And, again, we're, we're a little short on time, but uh, I want to give everybody a chance to comment on that.
7: Well, I'm actually came on here to make um, one specific point, which is I think what soaps need to focus on in terms of they're actually focused on growing their ratings, is not so as as equally, how do I put this? Focus more on increasing viewer frequency than um, maintaining, than um getting new viewers. If gotcha. most the average soap fan is not the person who. You know, post on any of our websites. The average Soap fan watches the show about twice a week, you know, and mm-hmm. doesn't tape it if there's something else going on. If you could get every person who watches the show twice a week to watch it three times a week, you're, you know, a Soap's ratings could jump half a point. Definitely. And that seems to me so much simpler than trying to get someone who's never seen a single episode of Young and a mm-hmm. Restless to suddenly tune into it.
1: That's a really good point. We I have uh, about a minute for Michael. Let me go back to you quick, Michael. What's something that's successful on the soaps now that
6: you really think the soaps need to do more of? Well, the only thing that comes to mind, you know, right now is how they were doing the What If? episodes because it was an interesting branding and you know, interesting branding for all of their shows. It brought together the shows together in ABC Daytime. It was something interesting um, and then maybe if people saw that, then maybe they would tune into the individual show that these stars are on. But I do agree with Sarah that you've got to really get the people that are watching the shows with more frequency to stay on the show, to watch the show more frequently. That's the only way. You can't be reaching out to people who want to see Susan Olson. Right. You know, for, I feel like we could
1: do another show about this, and hopefully maybe you guys will all agree to come back again, and we can finish talking about this and, and maybe come up with even some more ideas. But for now, we're out of time. So... Let me thank all of my guests this week, Damon Jacobs of We Love Soap, Daytime Confidential's Jamie Giddens, of course, Sarah from FanCast, Deep Soap, Linda Hirsch, who wasn't able to make it but I know was here in spirit, and, of course, Michael Fairman on air on soaps. For those of you who tuned in, thank you so much for listening. Next week we'll be back to our regular entertainment format with The Young and the Restless' Eileen Davidson. I hope you could join me then. Until next time, this is Dan Kroll signing off on another edition of Soap Central
3: Live.
4: Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. For another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.